With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered chumpacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Yes, Australia 1-0 up in the ashes. As not predicted by Paul and I, but what a morning for Australia. The game was in the balance overnight. You and I were a little bit nervous. And this morning, Australia demolished England in the first session. Paul, what did you think of that opening first salvi by the Aussies? Salvo. <laughs> um, great to get uh, the first test win. I think that England were disappointing today. And I think... For understandable reasons, they went, went in with the wrong tactics. And I think that was reflected in what Joe Root said in his uh, in his interview immediately after play when he was talking about the importance of getting through that first session unscathed. And it, it kind of reminds me of what sides used to do with sh- small run chases. Um, I, remember, I mentioned it in the show yesterday, to much to your chagrin, I'll mention it again today, but that run chase in a 93-4 where Australia had to get 104 against South Africa and failed, there was almost that feeling of if you, if you just shut your eyes and defend, defend, um, the, the runs will gradually eke themselves out. And I, I think that's what the approach that England had. And they scored at a, what they score, I think, I had it up here, 77 runs in um, 33 overs or something like that uh, today. I just think it was a losing strategy that inevitably they're going to get a ball with their name on it. And had they played with the freedom that the Australians had played, at the start of day three, and I know there were different circumstances, that would have been their only chance of, of, of winning. And I really, um, I should have probably foreseen that um, and realised that Root is a very you know, defensive captain. And I think that that was a tactical error. Having said that, the Australians obviously bowled really well. 
Yeah, well, I, I do think Australia never really let them get away this morning. But, um, yeah, thanks for everybody who's tuning in on YouTube and listening on the podcast feeds. Um, this is the Ashes Cricket Daily Gabba Day 4 episode. I was so excited I didn't introduce anything. I'm, of course, <laughs> Menas. I'm with Paul Dennett. It's just the two of us today. Um, should have got um, Pop and Crease on today so I could rib her about the English defeat. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, she picked a good day to come on because England had a good afternoon yesterday. Uh, those leaving comments, we'll definitely get to them towards the end of the broadcast. But, yes, uh, Australia go 1-0 up in the Ashes. They win by nine wickets. Uh, Travis Head was player of the match. And uh, it was a, a sensational morning. Pat Cummins said uh, in the press conference just then that he made he told Nathan Lyon, look, I don't think you're going to get your 400 this summer, so just worry about it next summer. And uh, that obviously did the trick because he was the one to get Milan this morning after Milan admitted in the press conference that he mm. sort of edged one yesterday that wasn't appealed. So he gets the breakthrough and takes his 400. That was a magic moment. Sure. Well, it was a funny one, that one yesterday, where um, I, I remember watching that and not thinking much of it, but you don't normally expect a court and bowl to be <laughs> given not out because they didn't realise that the, the batter made contact with it. But uh, quite honest of Milan to admit that. Well, I don't think he had any need to because no one was looking it up. Um, but, yeah, great, good on him. Um Nathan Lyon. It's funny, after our show yesterday, I was looking back at his performances and he I'd forgotten that he'd actually had a fairly decent return to the second half of the Sheffield Shield at the end of last season after a poor summer uh, in the Test match setup. And this summer, yeah, two poorish Sheffield Shield games. But he's probably been unfortunately maligned a little bit by all of us because we've just had this focus of he seems like he's been on 399 wickets for so long. Uh, I think Greg Baum might have made a, a, a tongue-in-cheek point in the Channel 9 press about the fact that Joe Root's entire streak of amazing runs have all been made with Nathan Lyon on 399 wickets, which is largely or totally because Australia hadn't played a test match in that whole period. But the third most prolific wicket taker in Australia in history, now the third Australian to take 400 wickets behind Warren and McGrath and ahead of what Lily and... Um, you know, a list that includes Richie Benno and a few others. Mitchell Stark's rising up it as well. Uh, pretty impressive for a finger spinner to have achieved. Yeah, so he um, finished with four for 91 today, Lyon, and uh, he got the wickets of Pope, Robinson and Wood to add to Milan. And I thought it was the sort of performance we've been crying out for from Lyon for a few tests, um, going back to the Sydney test against India and the Gabba, getting sort of, you know, second innings wickets is, is what is expected. And especially... You know, Hazelwood um, has some kind of niggle. So Pat Cummins said afterwards that um, he's feeling a bit sore and a bit stiff. And that, you know, back, Hazelwood has had back issues. I don't know if you remember, viewers, but before the 2019 World Cup, uh, he was coming back from back injury. So I actually think there's big question marks over Hazelwood. Makes Lions' performance even better because if he was getting smacked, it would have been real difficult for Cummins. But, yeah, I guess Hazelwood has to be in doubt, Paul. Yes, and I, I think, you know, if it was the final test of the summer and the Ashes were on the line, maybe he'd play. But I think if there's any doubt whatsoever, given they've talked about the need for a rotation policy, then, and given that Stark is, you'd expect a lock to play in Adelaide and probably a lock to play in the fifth test in the day-nighter in Hobart, that if Stark's going to miss a test match, it's not going to be this next one. Maybe it is the ideal time to sub um, Hazelwood out, bring in Richardson. I'm sure Hazelwood won't want that, but... Really, you've got to say the fact that he was unable to or chosen not to be allowed to bowl when the game could have been in the balance 
on yesterday afternoon, that has to put him under some questions. Because if England had come out today and um, played really well and set Australia 200 and Australia had lost, they would look back at that and say it's really not acceptable for Australia's equal premier fast bowler to not bowl a ball in a session at all. One of the positives that came out of today was Cameron Green. And I think we've all been waiting for him to deliver at this, like this at test level. It wasn't like he took a bag of wickets, but finally, rather than as he was being used last summer, as like, a, oh, well, everything's gone wrong. Let's bring on this bloke to bowl short. They actually gave him the new ball and prior to that gave him a bit of a bowl. And he, he looked good because, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he was a, a considered a prospect as a fast bowler for Australia who could bat a bit. So um, it's it's a it's remarkable how quickly things have changed on that front. But really pleased to see him do well as well. Yeah, Cameron Green two for twenty three. He got the big wicket of Joe Root caught behind with, with a really good lifting delivery just outside off stump. He also got the wicket of Wokes the last one. So England lost eight for seventy four this morning, all out for two ninety seven. Australia needed twenty to win, which they got nine wickets down. Alex Carey opened the batting for David Warner. Uh, Warner's got a rib injury. Pat Cummins said that. Uh, it was more a precaution, and they think Warner will be fine for Adelaide. You'd expect him to say that, uh, so I don't know how much we should read into it. Uh, but it would have been silly to send Warner out um, to to, fight, to maybe get more injured. Um, and so a terrific morning. Alex Carey took eight catches in his test debut, which is an Australian uh, equals an Australian record of Brian Tabor. Um, but Paul, stat of the day time, give it to me. Here stat it comes. time. Buddy. The, the number is, well, it's kind of, you can look at it one of two ways. It's either 11 or 12 because 11, that is the number of test matches that England has now gone without a win on Australian soil. And that going from 10 to 11 makes them now have this record, the second longest streak in their history in Australia. The longest was 12 back in 36-7 through the war uh, and, and, and ending in 50-51. Don Bradman played in the first eight of those matches and averaged 113 in them, so that didn't help England. But that, that means that as we go to Adelaide, Root is uh, in line to create or to equal some pretty ordinary history. So if they come away with Adelaide with a draw or a loss, they then go to Boxing Day looking to get clear air as the most... Um, the longest longest loss the longest winless streak for an england side in australia so pretty disappointing sort of stat for them yeah i doubt the barmy army will be getting t-shirts of that printed um <laughs> you might <laughs> definitely it'll be a cricket uh, a cricket daily special for sure um <laughs> So I got the crowd figures. Um, I want your opinion on this. The total match attendance was 98,846. The final crowd was 19,228. And I think that's a pretty good turnout for four days at the Gabba. You said before you worried that they wouldn't uh, get a big crowd. But 100K in four days, what do you think? You happy with it, Dennis? Dennis? I'm happy with it. I think that given the uh, fact that so many people from England couldn't travel out for it, so many people from interstate couldn't travel out from it. It started on a Wednesday, which is never helpful. And also, I do think that there are plenty of people who have just got out of the habit of attending live sport and who might normally have gone to it or just thought, ah, you know, with this Omicron variant and everything else, and just let's let's wait and see what happens next year. And so I think that all in all, um, I'm pretty happy with the crowd. You know, Brisbane historically has been criticised for its relatively low crowds with good reason. 
but I give them a, a, a high pass mark on this occasion. Absolutely, crowd-wise, certainly a few other issues we'll get to. Uh, for those watching on YouTube, Paul and I did not coordinate this, but we both got our Aussie-themed jerseys on after a big win. Um, we didn't, you know, coordinate outfits. We're not like we're going out on a date or anything. But, uh, yeah, very patriotic. I've got my Aussie training shirt on, feeling yeah, up and about after the that. win. I think most people watching up until now thought it was an English shirt. They probably hadn't seen the little crest there, the Australian crest. Um, <laughs> curious choice of colour that Australia has. <laughs> just the, the blue. <laughs> the England colours for our reserve shirt. And I'm wearing this purely because it's about the only clean shirt that's in the house um, and, and that fits me with my ever-burgeoning gut. So, yes, um, I'd, love to, I'd love to say it was patriotism. It was just pragmatism. <laughs> um, just just briefly on the, the 20 that Australia needed, Alice Carey got out edging one off Robinson, good delivery. But you got to say Marcus Harris looked a bit scratchy out there. Yes, um, I... Uh, <laughs> I didn't actually see the entirety of that chase because I was actually seconded into taking in um, parcels and stuff. So I thought if I'm going to miss anything of the whole test match, I'll miss that. So um, doesn't surprise me to say that he looks scratchy and look, you wouldn't, it would be very cruel to drop him now, but let's assume two things here, man, as I've got a question for you. Okay. If yeah. Warner, let's assume Warner does play in the next test. And let's also assume that if, the Australians lose the next test, you go to jail for a year. If they draw the next test, you go to jail for six months. And if they win the next test, you get a million dollars. Would you pick Kawaja or Harris to open? Oh, absolutely Kawaja. But, and I've always been on that front. But I think George Bailey won't. I think he's keen on sort of showing a bit of faith, which I think might be misguided. But, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't pick him at all. Do you think if Bailey was given those choices, he'd pick Kawaja? I'm sure he would. Like, I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I agree yeah. he'll pick... They'll pick Harris, and it would be unfair to drop Harris after one test match. But then again, professional sport, it's a cutthroat business. Um, you've got to ask yourself, who's going to do better for Australia? Oh, you know, um, Maybe they'd say Harris, and maybe they'd actually mean it, but I'm not sure if they would. The Australia played a day-night test against South Africa at the Adelaide Oval about oh, five years ago, and um, Warner was off the field when the innings ended, so he couldn't open the batting, so Kawaja had to open. And he made a brilliant 100 under lights against South Africa. I was there for the game. It was magnificent. So he's shown he can do it in um, in that situation. Um, that, Joe Root said after the game that he was frustrated because he felt they needed well, – he was overall frustrated. That was his buzzword. Um, I think what they do is they talk to the PR guy and say, give me a few buzzwords to take in today. And <laughs> frustrated was one of them. Um, but he did say they needed to be better in the field and had they taken more of their chances, it could have been a, a very different match. And I think you can say confidently, um, you know, had they caught Warner a lot earlier, it might have been a different story. Yeah, it might have been. But I think that, it, uh, you know, I'm always on this show saying, the importance of captaincy is overstated, but that I think this is one instance where the captaincy was really poor from Joe Root in this match. That uh, there's the and I think like the it. coach, the coach has to be um, brought into this. Silverwood has the sort of uh, you know he's the um, the king of kings. He does everything. He selects the side and he presumably has a large input in the tactics. And it's not just hindsight. We were saying before the match that I mean I, before the match I thought it was crazy for them to not pick Broad. And if Anderson had been fit, then they should have picked him as well. I didn't think they should have picked Leach. And to bat first on that pitch, on under grey skies, on that green pitch, given the Gabba has a history of flattening out as well, uh, and given that Sheffield Shield game this year where Western Australia won the toss, bowled and won it easily, bowling Queensland out for 120 or something on the first day, 
it, it just was a remarkable thing to do. And then I think as well that, the, the, again, as I said at the start of the show, their tactics today, um, you know, Ben Stokes scoring 14 off 48. Now, I know in the innings at Headingley where he played that amazing innings, he scored three off 77 to begin with. Um, but I think that's the exception rather than the rule. But I think that if, if, he, if they had all gone out today and said, listen, we have got the Australians in a bit of a spot of bother, Often the case in these situations when you come out on the next morning is the fielding side's defensive. They put the field back. You play a couple of shots, bang, 20 or 30 runs have scored, have been scored, would get close to parity. The Aussies would start to get panicky. They'd put the field back. Hazelwood's under a question mark. That was their way to either win this game or have Australia have to you know get five for 150 and make it a, a much more competitive total. The fact that they just were out there route just defending, 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 defending. How were they going to win? Um, you know, to, to say, well, we'll block out three hours, get through the new ball and then go, it doesn't often work. So I think that Root has had a very poor game as captain. And I think Ian Chappell's got a point that he's an unadventurous captain. He's the best batter in the world. He seems like he's got the respect of the dressing room and everyone likes him, but they need to get someone with a bit more aggression in in in, in terms of their actual tactics. Yeah, Joe Root was um, asked a lot about his decision not to play Broad or Anderson, and he kept saying that he wanted a balanced attack, which I don't think answers the question. That obviously he wanted Leach in there, um, but he didn't sort of say why. And then he um, he did say that he, he was worried about Anderson after the 2019 Ashes going down in the first match, and he really wants to have him for the rest of the series. But as I said, I don't think it's a good answer. He said his batters didn't cope with the extra bounce well. He felt that um, they just got out to a lot of dismissals that uh, wouldn't have happened in the UK and uh, just not coping with that extra lift. Yeah, and I think that they, they can take a lot of positives out of the game and the fact that um, they did all those things wrong and the Gabba has historically been the place where sides get blown away, yet they've come away with it, you know, ultimately a nine-wicket victory. It's a thrashing, but it's a thrashing that three or four hours ago, we we weren't certain that Australia was going to win this game. So they can take a lot from that and say, we'll be better for the run. Uh, the Adelaide situation is going to suit us. Your beloved pink ball match and the final test match is going to suit them. Uh, we're 1-0 <laughs> down. But, um, the, you know, uh, from from where it looked, you know, at the low point halfway through day two or whatever, where it looked like, you know, this is a joke, the Ashes as a contest is really on. And I think they've shown enough to show that they can compete with Australia in Australian conditions. Yeah, I was listening to Pat Cummins in the post-match presser just before we came on, and and what you said was actually true. He said that he thinks everything went right for Australia on day one and two, uh, and you know England can take heart from that—the fact that it sort of rolled Australia's way. Pat Cummins even admitted it, and they were still there or thereabouts at the end of day three. Um, one thing that um, I jumped out at me, Cummins said that in the second innings he felt he was getting better at bowling and being a captain. That he was getting better at focusing on his bowling when he had the ball and then captaincy. And that's a pretty good um, trajectory. I mean, everyone says Pat Cummins smart that, you know, during a game he's getting better, which means, you know, he could, you know, by the end of the series, he'll, he'll be expert captain. Yeah. I just think it's funny. Like, but he's, he, he's got a bowling average of about 21. Uh, apart from Alan Davidson, no Australian has done that this or last century. That's the difficult thing. Like, he has mastered something that no one can master. Um, he's just unbelievably good. And yet we're all sort of saying, well, do you think he can change the field when he's a bit puffed out? It's like it's like saying, you know, the whole thing of did Sir Edmund Hillary, oh, you know, he climbed Mount Everest, but was he good at planting the flag at the top? Like, you know, 
come on. He'll, he'll change the field perfectly fine. The main thing is that he is one of the greatest bowlers. He's on track to arguably being the greatest fast bowler we've ever, we've ever had. He'll be fine at no win to sort of say, oh, Stark, have a rest because he just got hit for a few fours. Yeah, man, there's more captaincy than just moving a few fielders around. Yeah, look at my previous point about Joe Root. Like, I, I for once, I actually made a point. Of, I felt like a proper cricket um, fan talking about <laughs> captain. You know, next I'll be talking about the importance yeah, then, of opening, opening yeah, batting then, and having... <laughs> it felt nice I don't get you sometimes. Inside the tent for a change. No, but you're saying that, do you think, he, he, you know, he'll, he'll be able to come to grips with making the bowling changes? I think... Yes, I yes, just he think will. he'll get better at instincts as a captain as the summer goes on. Um, if he's already getting better in one match at managing it, then um, I, th- I just think it's a positive comment. I mean, he's a smart guy. Yeah, yeah. And a very good bowler. And a very good bowler, yeah. as you said. <laughs> All right. So it's um, good day, bad day time. Good day. Firstly, Barrett Sunder Racing, member yeah. of Cricket Daily. Good day for him because all the coverage went down internationally, um, the radio coverage, the TV coverage. You know, if you weren't at the Gabba, you couldn't cover it. So Barrett was at the Gabba. So he and Ian Healy were calling the cricket um, on SEN. So good day for Barrett's under racing. So it's one, of, it's one of my dreams. Now, he was legitimately there doing the job anyway. He just wasn't doing the ball by ball. So it wasn't like he was plucked from obscurity. But one of my dreams has been one day to be, you know, <laughs> uh, randomly in the UAE or for a test match. It turns out that the commentary team is their plane was late and no one was there. And like, Paul, you've got a bit, we need you. Or, yeah. Um, more, you know, we've only got 10 fielders. Can you come out and feel? But um, there's a bit of that. But yeah, it was great to hear him. And um, he and Healy had a good a bit of banter going as well. That um, that Barrett sort of made the point that uh, he doesn't think this would, because, you know, he's a, a proud South Australian. Uh, he said he doesn't think this would happen in Adelaide. And Ian Healy said, well, it shouldn't because you guys have only just got, ele- you know, just had electricity <laughs> invented there and it's um, therefore <laughs> fresh and nothing would go wrong. So it was a nice little um, bit of bipolar between them. Healy on the radio is actually better than Healy on TV when he's, you know, forced to pump things up for Channel 9. On radio, when he's actually just giving his insights, um, I quite li- quite like listening to him. Yeah, so congratulations to Barrett Sunderace and Cricket Daily's own Barrett Sunderace. And an honourable mention uh, to the Stormtroopers um, that were featured prominently on the TV coverage. Um, they had Darth Vader and a legion of Stormtroopers in the crowd. So I'm a big Star Wars fan. I'm currently re-watching all the movies. And actually, the early finish today means I might be able to slip in my next one, Return of the Jedi, this afternoon before the Big Bash starts. So thank you to the English Batting Order for collapsing. Um, my mum actually sent me an SMS saying, why are all those fans dressed in white? And I said, I think mm-hmm. it's something to do with Star Wars. So that's the, um, <laughs> and that, that's not manufactured or confected. That was our genuine chat. And I, I wasn't sure, <laughs> but that's what I thought it was. Oh, my God. I sensed myself there. Um, bad day. Um, bad day. Well, has to be. It has to be the, 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 the Gabba Queensland uh, technology because – You've got to say the fact that, and for those who weren't watching, the TV coverage went down worldwide. All of us weren't watching. An... What? All of us weren't watching. Little joke. Yeah, but you know, if you were, if you no, weren't no. even watching the game, I know, I know. I was making a joke. I just wanted a bit of humour. <laughs> I know. Sorry. I know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, if you weren't watching, you know, the cricket was unavailable for thirty minutes. I think they had one camera for a little while. Um, but that's a fiasco, Paul, isn't it? Sure is, but it's. I love it. I love that sort of thing when they have to scramble. And for a minute, I was thinking, why are Channel Seven? Um, when, when they lost the vision and they just had the scoreboard and they went to an ad, I thought they've gone to an ad in the middle of an over. Why, why don't they just do ball by ball commentary? And they, then I realized, oh, it's because none of them at the Gabba either. They're all in the studio in um, in Melbourne. What I was hoping for was that Channel 7 would start doing ball by ball commentary based on what they heard Barrett saying in their ear. They'd listen to the SCN and then do ball by ball or read it off Crick Info or something like that. But um, 
I also liked how they had to at one stage have just the, the they're making the point that as the not not being the host broadcasters, they're allowed to bring in four additional cameras only. And they were the ones that they then had to rely on. And at one point it was just this one camera low at long off and you kind of got a terrible uh, view. And then they had the one that was um, at a better angle, but facing the wrong way. And so got that old memory of um, what it used to be like. I didn't really live through it, but I do remember before your time, men, because even though you're older than me, you hadn't, for whatever reason, fallen in love with cricket in that stage. But in 1985, the BBC still had that approach where they would only have the cameras at one end. So when I was watching the Ashes in England for the first time as a seven-year-old, I was thinking, what kind of primitive country is this? And then in 89, they had to do it again a bit because there's a camera, there's a uh, technician strike. So you saw a little bit of that again. But yeah, um, does, as I said in the show yesterday, does, not, does no one in Queensland know how to do information technology? Couldn't they have some dude who could have um, done something to fix it up? Yeah, reminded me of the Shield cup, Sheffield Shield coverage of about uh, three or four years ago. Um, anyway, well, Paul, let's get to these comments. Um, while I'm looking through them, could, do you just want to tell me sort of how you'd sum up this first test match? Well, an emphatic win for Australia and a triumph for Pat Cummins, a triumph for Travis Head, and so many things to be uh, to be pleased about from an Australian point of view. Uh, David Warner scoring a, a gritty 90-odd. I don't think a lot of the questions around his form had dissipated um, after his performance in the World Cup, but it was still it was still good to see. And Mitchell Stark, um, he didn't finish the match as well as he as he began it. His second innings was a bit more modest. So, but he's put at bay a little bit the the questions around him. And um, you know, we shall see how he goes in the in the pink ball test at Adelaide. And as I said, from England's point of view, they did almost everything wrong. And ultimately suffered a heavy defeat, but for strong periods in, on day three, they were getting themselves into a position of strength, um, or at least of uh, relative strength. And I think there's enough to go on there that they they can, you know, they can win a few Test matches in this series and can make it interesting. Yeah, agree to most of what I listened to while I was reading the comments. All right, let's fly through the questions from the <laughs> listeners. Um, there's a lot of them. Whew, I had to speed read there, Paul. Um, so, for, and look, some of them are doubled up. So, um, but I'll, we'll just we'll just answer the same question once. I think that's better for the listeners. Reese Kemp, thoughts on Harris swinging pink ball will surely show up his technique. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think you might be right, Reese. And the thing is, even if it doesn't, because he's a good player, so you, you could you could get a hundred in the next test, but. Um, if I'm being honest, do I think he'll be in the Australian side in two years' time? No, I don't. All right. Your turn, Paul. From Stephen Matlock, commentator, critique on Channel 7 versus Fox. No ads is great on Fox, but Warney's doing my head in with his annoying rants. Well, I had to listen mainly to Fox because I don't really have seven, so I only see the seven clips. Um, I think Fox is a bit hit or miss. There's some really good commentators and some not so good ones. I do like on the radio, I think SEN's got together a great commentary crew, even though it's got ads. Probably that's the best radio broadcast. Um, but you know, ABC's okay, Triple M's okay. It's not really my cup of tea, but it's certainly offering something different for a casual cricket fan. But uh, Paul, have you seen more of Seven than I have? Yeah, I've seen quite a lot of Seven, and I, as, as with last summer, I, I'm reasonably impressed with seven i think that they in many respects do a pretty good job especially tim lane is their biggest asset um in my opinion he, he's he's my type of commentator um 
And I think that when he's on with Ricky Ponting and and then there's Alison Mitchell as well. Uh, I'm not sure if the three of them are ever on together. My brain is a bit scrambled, but those are my. I'd be happy for them to have those three and no one else the entire test match. I think they are absolutely top draw. I think there are plenty of others in Channel 7 who are okay. There are very few on Channel 7 that annoy me, which is good. Not such a big fan of their coverage in and around the, the, some of the cricket. I mean, uh, I saw Pete Lawler on there t- today, which is good. I'm a um, big fan of Pete. He's a great friend of our, of our show. And Izzy Westbury, um, uh, you know, I like that sort of stuff. But some of their other more comedic stuff doesn't really do it for me. Maybe I'm sounding like a grumpy old man. But um, Ian Botham is one that I just think he's um, – he just looks a bit um, – a bit older, like his voice is weak. He doesn't seem the the vigorous, vibrant figure that he once was. So he, you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure that he's in uh, doing a great job as well. But primarily, I'm happy with Channel Seven, and I, I, from what I've seen of them, they're better than Fox. Yeah, it um, there there is a huge gap though between Seven's Test and Big Bash coverage. I, I feel at yeah. the moment. Yeah, I think they're they're. I understand where they're going with their big bash coverage. They're sort of saying, this is fun. This is, um, you know, breezy and everything else. I just think they've taken it a step too far. Like they had Andrew Gaze on the other night, which I've got no problems with Andrew Gaze being on. It would be disingenuous for me to say that he shouldn't be on because I have never played cricket. You know, I think I should be on. So just because he's played international basketball shouldn't preclude him from being on. But it was as though he's on there for comedic value. And, you know, I, I, I love comedy. I love sport. I don't really love the two of them when it's live sport. I'd rather just, you know, respect the sport. But, um, you know, maybe others liked it. Jason Gillespie liked it. Will you go? You go. Will they play uh, Para Eels? Will they play Anderson and Broad in the second test? Well, just quickly, Root was asked about that after play, and he said, "I think it's too early for me to talk about that." So, read into that what you want. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that they'll be. Very keen to play Anderson. Um, they'd be nervous to not play Broad because he might punch them in the head when they tell him that he's not playing. Mm. Um, <laughs> and you know he responds well to yeah, but they'll they want to play them all in the second test. They want Wokes in there. They want Robinson in there, and they want Wood in there. Um, maybe you can't play Leach. You can't play Leach. And as I think Wood bowled well, but maybe the second test is the match to give Wood a rest and say it's more you know, hopefully sort of more English conditions. Let's go in with those four. But, um, yeah, who knows what they'll do. Knowing then they might play, bring Dom Bess in instead of, um, instead of Robinson. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dom Kingsford, will this be Root's last Ashes as captain? I think there's a very strong possibility that that could happen. I do think you'd probably want to hang around for the 2019, uh, 2023 home matches if he can get a respectable performance here. I think I, I think if he if he loses respectably, he'll he'll move on. If they leave here four five nil, getting absolutely spanked, he may step down. But I, I think he'll want one more crack at Australia at home. Yeah, it's probably about 50-50. They do seem to rotate their captains much more quickly than Australia do. Um, so he's been, what is he, captain now for four or five years? Time flies. So <sighs> I wouldn't be surprised if he's not, to be quite frank. Mm. Joey Kazina. I felt like this morning Australia were more patient and bowled more outside off stump and waited for England to make mistakes. Thoughts? Dennis, take it away. I think they bowled accurately and they took advantage, as I've been going on about, of England's being very timid and England were content to just defend and um, get to the new ball and then get through the new ball. And I think after that, 
Um, they were expecting to then start to play some shots. But, I mean, I think Root's dismissal was um, symptomatic of it, that, you, you know, if, if he was playing just for the sake of playing, I think he would have just let that ball go or he... Um, I don't, don't think he would have played a, force of, a forcing shot off it, but I just think he wasn't in the right mindset um, for, for playing today, and I don't think any of the, the England batters were. Yeah, you're right. It just seems like they came out with that first uh, hour to survive and just not the way to go. They did it in Adelaide. That's that in Adelaide in 2006 when they... Amazing Adelaide. Yeah, and uh, that they always seem to do it, that... They, they can't seem to – I know it's human nature to want to do that, but they needed to be able to say, we've got to take the, the approach of playing a few shots and we will lose one or two wickets, but this is the only way we've got a chance of winning. Um, Ray PMB9 says, if Josh Hazelwood isn't ready for Adelaide, will you pick Nisa or Richardson? I think they'll pick Richardson by the sounds of things because he was so close to maybe uh, forcing his way into the team and, you know, he's a right-arm bowler. But Nisa and Hazelwood are more similar in style of bowling. So th there is a chance. And Nisa took five wickets against the line. My my gut feeling is they'll pick Richardson, but I, I don't think there's a lot into it. And I think Nisa's been like 12th man, like, like 15 times in the last 20 tests. So the poor bugger deserves a crack. Andy Bickle has the record of like 19, but I think unfortunately for Nisa, he's going to come just short, just again. I think, I think even though he got those five wickets and even you're, you're right around their similarity, I think Richardson will probably get the nod. Um, from Sankat Singbal, why on earth is Stark so protected? He averages 34 with a red ball against top six ranked sides over the last five years. The media needs to stop pretending his issues are restricted to last summer. It's an interesting comment. Um, look, he, he did have a form issue a couple of years ago, Stark, and then he had a really good summer uh, probably two years ago where he was Australia's best quick, and then last summer he was down a bit. Uh, I, I still like what he brings to the side. Is this Shane Warne in disguise? Is this <laughs> – um, but, yeah, look, I, I, what do you think, Paul? He sort of – I thought Stark was okay. He got wickets throughout the test. Um, I, I think, yeah, he was fine. Oh, well, I said beforehand that I wouldn't have picked him – but uh, I would still have him in mind for other test matches this summer. And I, I, I don't see any reason to change. I think he, he bowled well. That didn't surprise me. I'm certainly not in the Shane Warne camp of writing him off. And Warney would say that he's not writing him off. But I just think Richardson is a better option. That's an interesting stat. And I like stats like that. But my question is sometimes um, has that stat been produced as a result of data mining? Like, you know, why top six sides and why, last five, why the last five years? Sometimes those stats are great. Sometimes if you can pick the right sort of um, um, parameters. And surely can... the rankings move. So maybe a team like was in the top five when he bowled to them. You know, how do you, how do you oh, judge that? Just, just maybe the, the, the top six sides at the time. But um, mm. it's like with what you used to carry on about, you know, Joe Burns has scored four test centuries in eight innings <laughs> or some, you know, some idiotic example. Yeah, of let's not mining. bring that up. Let's not bring that up again. <laughs> I don't know whose turn is it to ask a question. Um, it's mine, isn't it? it? Dom Kingsford. Last question from me. No, yes, no. well, <laughs> no. we almost did. Last question from me today. Is Langer's contract re-signing re firming? Interesting. That's a very interesting question. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly you'd have to say if someone had said in the midst of the low point, would things change if Australia won the T20 World Cup and then won the first Ashes Test by nine wickets? Everyone would have said, "Well, yeah, that's a that's a pretty impressive 
sequence of wins. So it has to be getting more likely, but I still think that they probably don't want to do it, or at the very least, they don't want him to be in charge of all three in the next cycle, that all three sides. I think that I, I think he will either end his tenure as Australian coach when this contract ends, or he will persist but not but only as half, either as just the red ball or just the white ball. It was interesting Steve Waugh's comments around his exhibition where he said, oh, if they know what Langer can do, they should re-sign him now. And he's pretty close to Langer. So that would indicate maybe Langer does want to stay on. Mm. Um, so, yeah, look, we'll see. I think it certainly uh, couldn't be doing any worse, Dom. He's won the World Cup and he, he's won it up in the ashes. But long way to go. We saw what happened last summer. I think overall I, I wouldn't be um, – I wouldn't be reading too much into this one game. Obviously, terrific result, but Australia are expected to win at the Gabba. They, they, you know, normally butcher sides that go there. So this is no great surprise, but, you know, conditions now, pink ball in Adelaide, then Melbourne, uh, well, you know, El Nina. Remember 2010-11? La Nina. I'll, keep, I'll get that right eventually. Remember 2010-11 Boxing Day? It yep. was an English day. I mean, I turned up, it was... It was like 13 degrees. I was like, does Melbourne even have it summer? Mm. And um, so if, you know, they get conditions like that, you know, the next two tests are English conditions, then the SCG rained out, and then we get to Hobart, and it's a day-night test. It could be could be 3-1 England. I think that Boxing Day 2010 was colder than any day I've ever experienced in Australia. Like, as in, even in winter, I don't think I've ever had a colder day than that in Sydney. So that's, you know, Melbourne, fix, your, fix yourself up. Um, <laughs> um, I had another point to make, but it's gone. Oh yeah, that's right. A lot of I noticed a lot of Indians on Twitter are celebrating this and sort of saying this puts further emphasis on what a great win theirs was at the Gabba last year, which is true. But it's also quite um, shows that the gumption they have. India's played seven Test matches at the Gabba and won once, and they're now sort of trumpeting themselves as the Gabba, Gabba masters. You know, it's steady on a bit. Yeah, and I think the point that. Maybe Crash has made on the radio a lot. The fact that the Gabba was the last test did yeah. give India time to get used to the extra bounce in Australia before they got there. Um, all righty. So I think, Paul, any anything you want to add before I wrap up um, the Ashes edition of Cricket Daily, day four at the Gabba? No. Uh, it's been a good test. I've really enjoyed it. Yes, absolutely. So for those listening on the Cricket Unfiltered podcast feed, Jaleesa, Paul and I are getting together next week to record an episode where we'll talk about all the other issues swirling around in cricket, including the Big Bash. So um, stay tuned for that one. Uh, cricket Daily will be back for the second test, the day-night affair in Adelaide. Can't wait. Thanks, everybody, for watching live and those are listening. Bye. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now, driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.